by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series. Learn how to identify feelings, what motivates actions, and find biblically-based solutions to manage emotions. Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom. For those you love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program today. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Now, Susan, last week, I, I need to apologize to everyone. Last week, we were doing a program on depression. We kind of ran out of time. We kind of cut it short. and uh, We weren't able to get to all, to the information about how to really we help had, with yeah, depression. Yeah, we had a bunch more information we wanted to share with you. So next week... We're going to run another program on depression. It'll and we'll give uh, we'll have some more information and some more tools and places to send you to uh, get help, if, especially if you know someone that's really struggling or whatever. Uh, but once again, I apologize. We ran out of time last week, but we will get to it next week. So this week, what are we going to talk about? Today, we're going to be talking about exercise, both spiritual and physical. Great, because that is important. It is. Spiritual, it kind of sounds kind of funny, spiritual exercise, but we'll get into it and we'll see if that doesn't make biblical sense. Okay. Would you please uh, open today's program with a word of prayer, Susan? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, thank you so much for another day. We ask now that you would um, come and bless this program. Help us to uh, just get down to the to the nitty-gritty about being fit, not phys- not just physically fit, but also spiritually fit. And um, because we um, we need to be able to to walk in this program in health in our mind and in our body. And so we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you, do you remember the guy's name who ran the first four minute mile? I don't. You don't. No, you don't. His name was Roger Bannister, and I'd like to talk about a little bit about what went on there. And, of course, it was a great accomplishment in breaking that four-minute barrier. There was what seemed like endless training and practice, which even included, among many, many other things, strenuous mountain climbing that Roger Bannister went through before he, uh, before he broke that four-minute mile. But he wasn't alone as he prepared for the competition. Many other uh, runners, not only locally but around the world, had their eyes on winning the race he was in and also on breaking that four-minute barrier. May 6, 1954 dawned, the day that Roger Roger Bannister had been preparing for emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, and physically for years. Yet the day before, you know what he did? He slipped on a polished floor, and he limped the rest of that day. Wow. Nevertheless, the race began the next day, and Roger Bannister ran the mile in 3 minutes, 59.4 seconds, the first person to run under 4 minutes in the mile. One of the, uh, on one of the front pages of uh, ESPN magazine a, a while back, it read, they didn't believe the barrier could be broken. They didn't know Roger Bannister. Now, 
using imagery from athletics, the Apostle Paul encourages also, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's Hebrews 12.1. Yet the race Paul is talking about is a race that's so much more important than the one Roger Bannister won. This race depends, demands our best possible spiritual and physical fitness. An important component of that fitness is derived from exercise also, but that spiritual fitness is derived from a different kind of exercise. That's right. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's Isaiah 40, verse 31. When, the talk, when we talk today about spiritual athlete, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What was Paul, the great teacher of salvation by faith alone, talking about here? Across the centuries, humans have, fasc- have been fascinated with athletics, and many have marveled at the feats of the athlete. Right. Who hasn't at some time been envious of what these people have done with their bodies? And yet, whatever their natural abilities, most of these people achieve what they did through sheer hard work. That's right. You know, someone once asked a world-class long-distance runner if he thought that he could become a great runner also. The athlete replied, sure. All you need to do is run 15 miles a day, six days a week, and then on the seventh, run 25. Do that for a year, and you'll have a good chance in making it. Wow. Well, 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable you crown. You know, they, do, they used to give them like a wreath. Right. And these guys would almost kill themselves as they ran, and they, they would be this perishable crown. And that's what he's talking about. But, but what, else, what else does he say? He says, therefore I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Wow. Yes, and in Philippians, um, he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know, making a comparison to spiritual stuff and physical stuff is interesting, but there are limits, generally speaking, to what a person can do with his body. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, what some of the world records were, kind of roughly. Uh, I mean, remember the high jump record was like seven foot two. The pole vault, I think, it was Bob Seagren, and it was eighteen foot one. And I think the long jump might have been Bob Beeman, or it was twenty eight nine, or something like that. But if you look at the world records today. Uh, they're very similar. The high jump now is eight foot a half inch. The pole vault is twenty foot uh, one and a quarter inches, and the long jump's twenty nine foot. And so, you know, there is a point where there's pretty much a limit to what the human body can do. But spiritually, when you're learning about God, there is no limit. Paul talks about pressing on heavenward. 
in Philippians. That's right, Philippians 3.13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's it, pressing on. Can you get kind of a look at what Paul is is describing here? Because, you know, even when you, and I like the analogy he makes, because when you see a, a, a runner or a person that's exercising and they say they enjoy it, but do you ever look at their facial inspections? Yeah. You it doesn't look like they're enjoying they're it. In fact, time. sometimes it's painful, but a lot of good comes from it. And do you see kind of the spiritual analysis there? You know, the spiritual warfare is, is can sometimes be painful, but if we press on and mm-hmm. press through it, and you can almost get that image in your mind, you know, it is for good. If you can get through the pain, there are many benefits to sticking with the exercise program. Right, whether they say no pain, no gain. Yeah, the <laughs> benefits come from the determined application and discipline required to perform the exercise itself. In other words, you're training yourself good habits. Mm -hmm. There are certain rules to be adhered to. Regularity of exercise is essential. There must be a goal and sometimes even a prize. Do you exercise, Susan? I do. I try to to exercise on a regular basis. What do you do? Um, I usually run or I walk fast and I do some weightlifting and work out on the machines a little bit and do some other things. What's your goal? My goal is to be healthy. Because I think I've been unhealthy the majority of my life with the drug addiction you and everything. Think. I know I was. And, you know, I am having a midlife crisis, sort of. And so I want, I, I recognize that I have a goal to be healthy, and I want, I want to take good care of my body. And what's the prize? The prize? What's the prize? I don't know. The prize is to feel good and to... To be able to, to, to say, I've accomplished something right. here but with the help and the grace of God, to reverse yes. everything that I did to myself. Right, because it used to be, talk about exercise, it used to be I knew I wanted to exercise, you know, I had gotten off drugs and I gained a bunch of weight, just like 45 pounds immediately. Then I stopped smoking and it just got worse. And so I wanted to lose that weight and I started to walk. And you know what? I could not walk without stopping to gasp for breath. I, I, it, I, I could not breathe because I had damaged my lungs so badly. I remember the very first day that, that I took her for a walk. No, she's shaking her, <laughs> she's going, whatever. Um, no, because this is very important. Because if, if you're not in an exercise program, and here we're talking about how Susan exercises every morning and how everything is going good, it wasn't always that way. No. The first time I took her for a walk down the other driveway, because she had never even really literally gone for a walk before. This is hard to imagine. But I literally walked circles around her as we walked, and her lungs burned. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, she was smoking crank and smoking cigarettes and all of that stuff for 25 years. And her lungs were really messed up. And I had been running for four or five years prior to this and had been an athlete plus i was an athlete in high school school, so i had an advantage and so but she didn't get discouraged she stuck with it and she stuck with it and 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 now how long do you exercise a day um i i like to go for at least an hour some it's nice if i can make an hour and a half and that's with warm-ups and i try to you know right run five miles or so but it didn't start out that way no 
It was. And, it and was see, a, the spiritual application is the same. If you get frustrated because you don't understand the Bible, stick with it. You're just taking baby steps now. And this is what we're talking about, spiritual and, fitness. And you know what I think, too, is I think we hit plateaus. You know, we will learn We do. Something, we make mile markers. Right. And then and then we're kind of stuck in an area. But then, you know, as as we continue to stay, you know, to stay the, the track, then we, we continue to learn more and more. That's right. Now, exercise and discipline principles apply to both spiritual and physical fitness. They apply to both. To be spiritually fit, we need to focus on Jesus, though. We need to read his word, pray, meditate. But, you know, the problem is there's so many things that distract our attention, and those things many times can be good. They could be noble. It could be work. could be studies. could even be church activities. But you know what? We need to put them aside if they're getting in the way of our growing in grace and prioritizing our goals if we're going to finish strong in our spiritual fitness. Do you realize that your faith's muscles can actually atrophy? What is atrophy? Atrophy is the wasting away or the shrinking in size of some part or organ of the body, usually caused by injury, disease, or lack of use. It means to weaken or waste away through disuse. Wow. You ever broken a bone or had a severe sprain or experienced a mobile, you know, immobilization necessary for healing to take place, like with a cast or bandage or whatever? Um, if you've ever experienced that, you know what it's like to have a, a limb immobilized. You know what it's like to have that kind of problem. As a result of the immobilization, the muscles related to that particular area are not used. With this lack of use, a process of atrophy or wasting occurs the muscles become thin they become weak and when the healing of the bone or the joint has taken place movement begins to return and with the sustained use and exercise the muscle strength is regained so what are we talking about when we say and it's hard to say this faith's muscles but what are we talking about the muscles of faith i mean i thought faith was a gift of god isn't that what it says in Ephesians? Right. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. And then Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who what? Earnestly seek him. Earnestly seek him. Would it take faith to earnestly seek God. Mm -hmm. See, so we're all dealt a measure of faith, but it depends on how much we exercise that faith. Will that faith grow strong? How do we maintain and build the faith that we have been given by a gift? That's the question. See, action is a law of our being. Every organ of the body has its appointed work. It's just a law. The development and strength of a muscle or an organ depend on how much it's exercised. The normal action of all the organs gives strength and vigor when they're working normally and in concert and they're getting exercise, while the inclination of disuse is towards decay and death. In other words, the less we use our muscles, the more we head to decay. Put your arm in a sling, even for a few weeks, and then take it out, and you'll see that it's weaker than when you, the one you'd been using properly and just for a short time. Inactivity 
produces the same effect upon the whole muscular system, and it's true spiritually also. So it is with faith. If faith is not exercised, it does not grow. The vital movements and actions of the limb and body of faith cannot take place. And I remember um, thinking about doing this radio program, and it scared the daylights out of me even to call the producer down here at the radio program because I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know what we were going to do it on. I didn't even know if they'd like the idea. Mm -hmm. But I was impressed, the Lord impressed, and so I made the phone call, right? My faith was strengthened like you cannot believe as a result of stepping out a little bit and making that phone call and having it all come together and seeing that the openings of the doors that have happened because of the faith that was exercised. Right. It's very important. I mean, you might think that, okay, I've got faith, but if we're not exercising it, it's not going to get stronger. That's right. Though faith is a gift, if it's not exercised, if we do not make choices based on it, if we do not reach out and by it claim God's promises, if we are not willing to take chances based on faith, we are not exercise, not exercising faith to the point of being brought to our knees in submission and humility, then we are in danger of losing it. And that's important because Paul is saying that, the same thing. He says, press onward, exercise that faith. And even the characters in the Bible, when you think about they're, even when they're discouraged or even when they're crying out to God, they're still by faith crying out to God. Even when they're disappointed in the way, way God had turned things out for them, mm-hmm. they're still by faith crying out to God. It's still an exercise of faith. Even when Christ was afraid to drink the cup, do you remember? Mm-hmm. What did he say? If, Not my will, right. but your will. That was an exercise of faith. Right, and because so, he was asking if it would be possible, if it could be yeah, passed from him. Right. What a tragedy, because faith is one of the most precious gifts of all gifts. Only those who know what it's like to live in this world without faith, without the knowledge of God, without the hope found in promises, can tell you just how wonderful and precious a gift really is. I know what it's like to live without God. I know what it's like to live faithless. I know what it's like to live with God also. And it's so helpful to, it's so much of a different life. Is it a different life for you? It's completely different. You know, I remember a story of a young officer who lived in a small desert town. His mother was to undergo surgery for breast cancer. The demands of the military operational schedule would not allow him to return to be at her side. Now, with a tinge of anger, and actually with some rebellion, he asks, why? 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 He'd been praying for faith, and in these moments when things were not going as he wanted, when his prayers weren't answered as he hoped, he found his faith waning. And, you know, that's a danger because we have to remember just because God doesn't answer prayers the way we want them to does not mean he's not right there with us. The darkness of doubt crept into his soul, and for a few moments he wondered if God existed at all. But then the next morning, as the sun rose and the beauty of the dawn filled the sky, his mind went to some verses in the Bible, to a story that he had known since childhood. And as he dwelt upon that story, his faith returned. However difficult it was for him to understand about things, however hard it was for him to see the reasons for what had happened, he pressed 
on ahead, trusting and loving his Lord Jesus. The text that stuck in his mind was John twenty twenty nine. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet have believed. This is indeed a key to believing without seeing, to take God at his word without insisting on proof. After all, for some people, all the proof in the world will not convince them to believe. Remember, Jesus said that, you know, even if someone rose from the dead, they wouldn't believe. That's how much bent they're not in not believing. Living by faith, for the most part, is going on what we already know of God's love, but it means trusting God based on what we've already experienced And it means taking him at his word because he's shown us his goodness and his love, no matter how difficult our circumstances are and no matter how much we don't see or how much we don't understand. Now, as we talk today about exercising our spiritual muscles, we don't want to forget how important it is to get good physical exercise also. That's right. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You are bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. Our bodies are a gift from God. They are not to be abused. And science has shown us over and over that almost every aspect aspect of our physical being is benefited by exercise. Sure. Now, we're not all called to sprint four-minute miles, no. though, right? <laughs> That's right. No. But in most cases, uh, we can do enough exercise to benefit ourselves you know, greatly. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting out and walking. That's right. That's right. Our minds, our bodies, these are both gifts from God, and they're very closely related. How we feel physically will impact how we feel mentally, and that will impact how we feel spiritually as well. Everything is related, and we can't neglect an aspect of our being without impacting other aspects. That's right. People ought to be impressed with the fact that all their powers of mind and body are the gift of God and are to be preserved in the best possible condition for his service. Yep. Before starting an exercise program, now we want to reiterate, we need to be sure that our health will permit that regular exercise. If there are any pre-existing health conditions or disabilities, it's wise to be guided by a physician as to the appropriate intensity and frequency of the exercise to be in, you know, undertaken. That's right. Three points we need to keep in mind with any exercise program is frequency, intensity, and duration. That's right. And so we want to remember how often, how intense, and how long. And that's what you want to discuss, and you're going to want to adjust it as you go through an exercise program. You know what? Sometimes for people, maybe it's just raising their arms up like, exactly. and, and not standing up at all and just you know getting their arms moving or ta- getting their leg moving. And, right. And it, it can be the simplest thing. Get going. Right. That's the main thing. So that's your three. How, how, how frequent, how intense, and how long. Okay, and as we wrap it up today, let's look briefly at some of the proven benefits of exercise. Regular exercise helps control weight. It's beneficial in helping to reduce high blood pressure and an important adjunct to any medical therapy for high blood pressure, of course, under medical uh, supervision. Also, when we exercise, it's regularly performed. uh, When exercise is regularly performed, there's a decreased incidence of type 2 diabetes Additional benefits to heart include the fact that regular exercise improves the protective or the healthy high-density 
lipoprotein cholesterol. One of the benefits that I really like is the regular exercise gives an improved feeling of well-being. It gets the good juices and the good chemicals go going. They're called endorphins, and I need that myself. Um, people who exercise regularly have less depression. And remember now, uh, we're next week we're going to talk about depression again. Right. Because last week we shortchanged you. And exercise is a great, uh, a big part of the uh, getting the chemicals going right in the brain. And we want to reiterate now, um, if you're just going to start an exercise program, start out slow. Frequency, intensity, and duration. Start and out slow build on and build on that. Just Number one, just get into the habit. The same thing with spiritual exercise. Frequency, intensity, and duration. We're going to start slow in both. You're gonna, not going to conquer the world in a day. Start your spiritual exercise Get into the habit, get into the regimen, get into the routine, and it'll be very helpful for you. So as we close today, we'd like you to keep in mind that there's a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you, and that you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.